Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Well, we got a night off from White Sox activity, and uh, we got a night off from MILB action. So here we are tonight, uh, rocking every Monday night at 9 o'clock. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Doing fantastic. Love to uh, see the North Side Parade hit the uh, stadium here in the South Side, doing the Red Line Dance. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, traffic going southbound on that red line from up there because uh, they're not going to have a whole lot to root for for a few years coming up here. So, <clears throat> as I'm sure you guys all know, um, there were some trades that were made this week. Um, we'll go over uh, the specifics of that stuff here in a few minutes, but... Uh, how about that uh, mass exodus on the north side over there? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, uh, it Friday was not a good day to be a fan of that uh, that that other team on the north side. And I think now we can almost call it a uh, a minor league team because uh, who are those guys? I don't I don't recognize any of them besides the uh, two or three that they kept. Yeah, there's some there's some uh, interesting names over there. Uh, was that uh, that Ortega guy? hit like six home runs or something within like a, a week or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's a bunch of uh, bunch of no-name guys. Oh, Patrick Wisdom, another one of those guys, cast off from the Cardinals, and he's hitting decent for him. He's hitting like 275. So, I mean, it's not, you know, not terrible, you but know, I mean, they, you know. They got, a, they got a couple of young cats that have been playing there with them a little bit uh, this season. But, uh, you know, you think back to when uh, – you were hearing words like dynasty come from those guys on the north side up there. Uh, I don't really know what happened with that. There, well, you know, I'd hardly I, call one World Series win a dynasty, but you know, yeah, no. it is what it is. But uh, you know, looking back at that team and the team that's on the field right now for those guys up north, there's literally three players left of the 18 that they used during the World Series. Yeah, and one of them uh, left and came back. Right, right, Kyle Hendricks. So no, no, uh, Arietta. I'm sorry. Oh, Jake Arietta. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm not including Jake Arietta. Yeah, I guess I am. But, uh, you know, and then there's, well, if you, there's four, if you want to count, uh, grandpa Rossi, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I have some cub fan friends that are not happy campers right now. And all I can say is welcome to the doldrums. You know, us white Sox fans went through it when, uh, the fire sale started with uh, a booming trade of Chris Sale back in 2016. So enjoy it. It's going to be a little bit of a, a long haul for you guys. Yeah, there's going to be a bumpy road for sure. But, I mean, uh, you know, they did pick up some nice talent in their trades. Um, you know, Cub fans, of course, are, I mean, from most of the people that I've seen are pretty livid with the whole thing. And, uh, I mean, you can't can't blame them necessarily you know i got Baez, rizzo and bryant all leaving and then kimbrel tapera and then uh was that Mon- uh who was it there's another another reliever gone as well i mean it's just like uh, yeah uh, Chafin. yeah oh yeah chafin and i think there was another one other than that one too um something with an david, m um, david montgomery maybe Does that sound right yeah maybe something like that yeah, but uh, you know they got some decent uh, young talent back, and uh, you know we end up sending them uh, Cody Hoyer 
and uh, Nick Madrigal, of course. Um, you know, I've seen a little bit of uh, a little bit of upset people with the uh, Nick Madrigal thing going away because uh, you know he was our our little guy, and uh, oh, he was supposed to be that uh, three fifty batting average, slap hitting second baseman that. You know, predicted he was going to hit 10 home runs a season. Sorry, Nick, not going to happen. Well, uh, I mean, over there with that basket hanging off the wall, it's entirely possible. I mean, he it, could hit 15 there. Well, it's not going to happen in 2021, I will it say that. It is certainly not going to. That is true. Because he's not going to see the field again this year. Uh, he was. He spent some time injured last year. Went through a, a shoulder surgery on a, a bad slide. Uh and let's just say that uh, Nicky Madrigal has had his issues of base running uh, since he came up into the major leagues. Uh, I'm not real sure how his base running was in the minors, but it hasn't been pretty since he came up. He's been injured a couple times. He's been through a couple surgeries. I know a lot of White Sox fans were sorry to see him go, but you know the kid has been off the roster more than on the roster uh, and not healthy for you know the better part of the last two seasons. So. Uh, I know it's tough to watch him go, but, you know, we got a guy who's been an all-star multiple, multiple seasons. And, yeah, he's not hitting three, you know, 20 and slap hitting again on base all the time. But he is hitting more dingers than just about everybody on the White Sox team right now, the White Sox active roster. Uh, he is a gold club caliber second baseman. Uh, won the gold glove last year. And uh pretty solid pickup, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, get into that and get into this, uh, do a little bit more deep dive into the stats in, in, a, in a few minutes. Um, we also sent them Bailey Horn. Um, uh, I think he was, I think he just got moved up to uh, advanced A recently. Um, command issues, but he throws hard and he's a left hander. He's one of those, uh, you know, unicorns, you know, guys that's uh, a left hander and throws hard and, you know, has a, uh, you know, a, a solid base to throw to, you know, throw from. He's not uh, he's not the skinny Chris Sale kind of guy, so he's got a little bit more meat on his bones. So, you know, I mean, uh, maybe something comes ends up coming out of that, but uh, we'll see. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, we picked up uh, Cesar Hernandez from the Indians for uh, Connor Pilkington, who, uh, you know, I've tweeted about quite a few times actually this year. Um, I was kind of sad to see uh, both of those guys go, really, because, uh, you know, one of the things that we've, you know, as as a fan base have talked about for a few years is lack of left-handed pitching. And, right. you know, we just traded away two left-handed pitchers. You know, I mean, granted, uh, most scouts and uh, pro personnel guys are – saying that uh, Bailey Horn's not going to end up being a starter. He's more more than likely going to end up being a bullpen guy. But, I mean, he does have the uh, velocity and everything and uh, body type right. to be a starter, but I just, you know, he's probably just not going right. to end up in that role. And, uh, and yeah, you and so, I have talked uh, about uh, Pilkington a little bit, you know, uh, off the stream here, and, and there's been a little bit of uh, chatter about how you know, he may have gotten off to a bit of a slow start with his uh, minor league career, and just recently he's added a pitch that seems to have worked for him and helped him to uh, find a strikeout pitch and keep his ERA and his whip down. So, 
you know, a little tough to see a guy who is young and starting to figure it out at the double A level go away. And like you said, being a left-hand pitcher, something that the White Sox could, you know, use more of, uh, you know, it sucks to see a guy like that go, but you know, if it's one thing the White Sox organization has been able to do year in and year out is develop young pitching. So uh, let's just hope that some of these other strong arms they've got coming, you know, in the near future, the, the Jared Kellys, the Stevers, the guys like that, the Dahlquists, the Thompsons, you know, we'll see what they can do, uh, you know, once they develop in the in the lower levels. And hopefully these guys uh, become something, become what we hope they would be. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's some stuff. There's definitely some stuff going on down there in the minors now. Um, yeah, Bozy Bailey Horn is a seventy grade name. I will agree. That is a, that is a, that's a all star type name. You know, if you're looking for a guy who's an all star, Bailey Horn sounds like a guy who would be on the all star team for sure. Um, yeah, it's actually a, too. yeah, absolutely. I was talking to uh, a guy who does some scouting stuff down in uh, North Carolina. And he was at um, the Cannonballers uh, at um, Jared Kelly's last start. And uh, Jared Kelly had a really nice game. Um, He's kind of getting squeezed a little bit. And uh, the White Sox uh, developmental team has basically made a decision that most of the guys that are down in the minors are not going to throw more than 70 pitches in any start. So he ended up, uh, I think he went three innings. Maybe it was more than that. It might have been four four or five. I, I can't remember exactly how many innings it was, but he ended up uh, ended up with some nice strikeouts and um, he ended up walking a guy when he came back for the you know for his last inning and got pulled at 65 pitches. And um, I, I basically said, you know, you can kind of just throw out like the first two, you know, like month and a half, two months of the season for all these these high school guys that we have, you know, aka Kelly, Dalquist, and Thompson. You can just basically just throw the first month, month and a half out of the, you know, out of whatever, you know, all the peripherals that you're looking at, all the numbers that you look at. You just throw them all out because these guys haven't thrown competitively to any pros yet except for you know at the uh the boomer stadium last year and most of those guys weren't pros you know they were all minor league guys (laughs) that were over there and uh you know this is their first like real pro exposure and you know we have no pioneer league so we've got no great falls voyagers for them to go and uh you know ply their wares if it were uh me and fred yeah, I mean, it's, you know, just kind of silly in general. It, it seems like a, you know, just trying to make like a concerted effort to stunt the growth of all the young players in the in the game. It, it, you know, it's, it's going to take a few years for them to figure out exactly how to best chart these guys, you know, like their their ascension through through the minors, especially for like these high school guys. You know, because they're going to be they're going to be basically in the ACL, which is a terrible name for anything having to do with baseball. Um, oh, but, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so dumb. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to figure out exactly how 
it's going to work out best for them to bring these guys through the system now with one less place for them to go. You know, I mean, you still could have the DSL for the for, you know, the the Latin guys. But I mean, you know, we're not sending any of our high schoolers there at no. least as of right now, you know, and I, I can't imagine that we would, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, the Oscar Tavares and all that kind of stuff going on down there. I mean, it's the last thing you want to, you know, be sending uh, our high school kids. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, my kids in middle school, if I sent them to, you know, to Dominican to Republic. To Dominican? Yeah. yeah. I don't think Probably it would work not out so well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, yeah, I think that uh, – basically like this whole like first two months i mean you've got um these short pitch counts you've got they haven't played in a year you've got these new stupid base running rules that they're that they trotted out there for a and advanced a you know which doesn't allow you to throw over to first base more than twice you know and if you don't catch him on the third try i think you are basically it's called a balk and the guy gets the base for free so yeah, no, I mean, it's just like all sorts of, you know, nonsense. Plus, I mean, the def- the defense of these these uh, A-ball teams and the advanced A teams is just brutal. You know, I mean, it's like you can't, you can't like take anything from like the first month of the season, at least in, in my no, eyes. Not from I mean. anybody. Yeah. Whether, whether it's a high school or not, but, you know, the high schoolers obviously uh, even more so. Yeah, and to throw it back to the uh, the Connor Pilkington thing, yeah, he just uh, he added a slider to his in-game repertoire. Uh, I don't know, it's like three weeks ago, something like that. And uh, he's had like three or four starts since then. And uh, he's had two. He had one no hit uh, in three and a half innings on a rained out game, and then uh, the, his last game, I think he had like uh, he gave up like two hits but no runs with like nine strikeouts or something he figured something out and so I was kind of sad to, to see him go in that trade but uh you know as we've spoke before you know if you want to make an omelet you got to break a few eggs and that is uh unfortunately uh you know what it's looking like here but um I digress so uh <laughs> so now the White Sox bullpen has lost Cody Hoyer, Matt Foster, Evan Marshall, um, Aaron Burr, and uh, they've gotten Kimbrell and Tapera. Um, could you imagine going into a playoff series knowing that you've got Kopech, Crochet, Bummer, Hendricks, and Kimbrel in the same bullpen, and you're down by three runs going into the sixth inning. Yeah, you know, uh, I was talking with uh, White Sox Daily's very own Mark Orr Friday night after the uh, trade deadline, and uh, he made a reference to the 19 late 80s, early 90s uh, Cincinnati Reds bullpen, the Nasty Boys, when it was uh, Charlton, Dibble and Myers, and that was basically the best shutdown bullpen, maybe of the last hundred years. You know, I mean, you can go back to maybe the Mariners bullpen in the in the early two thousands, but uh, yeah, I can't imagine 
facing. And, you know, when you've got starters like Lance Lynn and, you know, Carlos Rodon doing the things they're doing and Lucas Giolito finding his way. And, you know, if Dallas Keuchel is, is Dallas Keuchel, then you've got, you know, these four guys that, you know, and you pick, take your pick of, of three of those guys that are going to be your starters in October. And if any one of these guys can get you six innings, seven, eight, and nine, good luck. It's going to be one of the best shutdown bullpens, uh, maybe in the last 20 years. Very possible. Yeah. And then, you know, you you also brought up Ryan Tapera from the Chicago Cubs, who I know, I know a lot of Sox fans are not happy with his first two starts since coming over from, from the north side. But. If you do any sort of digging on this guy's career numbers, he is he's a guy, he's he's a setup man. He's he's maybe not tight quite closer ready, but he is a he's a great setup man who can get that job done as well, too. So throw him into the mix at the back end of the bullpen. And uh it, it's it's pretty nasty stuff you've got going on there. Yeah, and now uh, Bozy brings up the Raylo. I mean, what he's got like five, five, six appearances, something like that, and looking you know, awesome. Like I'm watching him in Charlotte, and he's just getting his brains beat in, you know, like every other start. And then he comes up here, truth sayer. Thanks for the follow. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there watching him, and it's like every other start, he's getting his brains beat in. You know, like he's given up. You know seven nine eleven runs you know in like uh in four innings and then he comes up here and all of a sudden he's just striking people out everywhere and uh inducing bad contact and uh i'm not entirely sure what's going on like exactly how that came about but uh i'm certainly not upset about it um it's pretty pretty awesome development and you know it's like he was one of those guys when you heard uh you know, trade rumors thrown around before the trade deadline came up that, you know, uh, Shy Sox 23, thanks for the follow. Um, you know, we, we heard the names that you heard were Sheets, Berger, Raylo, um, you know, and uh, I'll get to that uh, that Nick Madrigal thing I said last week. I'll get to that in a minute. But um, Danny Miller, WSP, thanks for the gifted, my friend. Um, (laughs) so, uh, you know, it's like you hear the, all those names in the trade rumors and none of those guys are gone. You know, the guys that are gone were, you know, a starter at double a, a starter at advanced a, uh, a relief pitcher that was on the club, but, uh, he'd hit some kind of you know, some rough times, um, you know, in the last, uh, I don't know, month or so, you know, he's having a rough time getting people out. And uh, you ship off those two guys and you get Craig Kimbrell and Ryan Tapera for, for like, low-level low level guys and Nick Madrigal. So pretty stoked. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about that as well. Um, you know, it's again, it, it was a bit of a tough pill to swallow for some folks to see Nick Magical go, but to to see, I mean, 
if you put it in perspective this way, Hendricks has been arguably the best closer in the AL this season and last. Uh, and then you go and you look at who's the best closer in the NL the last season. And it was Kurt Kimbrell. So now you've got two of the top closers in baseball in the back end of that bullpen. I'm okay with uh, seeing uh, Nikki two strikes go. It's, you know, it's the cost of doing business sometimes when you are going for the whole thing. It is what it is. We knew back in 2016 when this rebuild started that there was going to come a time where these types of trades were going to happen. You can't hold on to all of them. There's only so many spots on a roster for these guys. And when you've got a farm system that's ranked, you know, one, two, three, the last couple of years, you can't put all these guys on the field. So what the best move to do, the best move to make is to make your club stronger when you're making that push for going deep into the playoffs. And unfortunately, some of these guys that you have come to, you know, love, some of these guys that you've come to expect a lot from are going to go away. And it's just, it is what it is. You know, there's not a team of baseball that can keep every single one of their top prospects and keep them for a long time. You know, and let, let's be honest, you know, you look at the the White Sox number one draft pick over, I think it's like the last seven years, eight years, nine years, whatever it is. They've all made the the major league staff. They've all made the, the you know, the active roster and uh, all but one, I think, actually. But, uh, you know, it, that's pretty much unheard of as well, too. You don't see that happen very often. Uh, the White Sox front office has done very well drafting, and unfortunately there's just not going to be room for all of these guys. So, you know, happy to have you while you were here, uh, Nikki Two Strikes, but uh, sorry, not sorry, man. When you got to go, you got to go. Yeah, I mean, there's – yeah, I mean, like you said, you can't keep all of them. It's Like the thing is, is that with the international guys as well, you know, there's just uh, – and we've been really lucky that you know the the trade pieces that we've gotten in return from other from the trades of uh, Quintana and Eaton and Sale, we've been lucky that like basically seventy percent of them have, have hit. You know, like you got Kopech and Mankata uh, are two of the three guys from that trade from the Sale trade. You've got uh, Dunning, Raylo, and Giolito from the Eaton trade. And uh, Dunning, he did work. You know, he did some decent work last year before we traded him for Lynn. And you mean Dunong? Dunong? Dunong. Um, and actually, <laughs> thank uh, you, uh, Bruce. Yeah, the uh, the other guy, Avery Weems, um, uh, one of my scout buddies, posted today that Avery Weems for the Rangers, he's actually pitching really, really well. Um, ERA not. Uh, withstanding because his FIP is like half of his ERA but um but uh that and then uh the Quintana trade you know Cease and Eloy are both big big pieces and are playing big roles and you know Flete and Rose are you know we're just throw-ins anyway so those two guys being gone I mean you can count them whatever and then Diaz from the uh from the uh, sale trade, you know, like there's three guys out of like that entire lineup of guys that we got back. All of them are in the majors and more of them are, you know, like more than half of them are above average, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, and uh, I, I love what uh, Bozzi has to say here about, but Makata's not producing this year. 
and I'm seeing a lot of that on Twitter, social oh, media in general. Yeah. There's a lot of White Sox fans. You know, the guy, I'll, let's be honest, the last couple of weeks, he's left some guys on base in some key situations. I get it. It sucks when, you know, you're supposed to be one of the top offensive teams in baseball and the whole team is struggling all at once. But that's the problem. The whole team's struggling all at once. So it's easy to pick apart these moments. But when you look at the numbers, and I know some of you guys are like, oh, my God, you're stat nerds. But yes, I'm a stat average. nerd. Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a stat nerd. But here's the thing. If you don't get caught up on the new stats, you're going to get left behind because let me explain something to you. He's a 2.4 or 2.5 war player already as it is. He's on pace to be close to a four, if not a four or higher by the end of the season. White Sox have not had a third baseman that was a four war since like, I don't know, Creedy maybe, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know. I maybe not. Creedy might not even have been a four. I don't think so. I, I I don't think so. I'd have to look it up it's, here right quick. But I'm pretty it, sure it's that it's been he a long time. That it's been a long time. So you know, let's get off Moncada's behind for just a little bit and really kind of take a look. The guy, yeah, he's had a couple of errors recently that were you know, you could say were a little bit costly. He hasn't hit in some key situations. Fine. Guess what? Neither is Jose Abreu. Neither you know, Tim Anderson has missed some opportunities. You know, uh, we've got <laughs> Aloy uh, Jimenez. Creedy, Creedy just missed uh, four war in 2006. He was 3.9 uh, F war. I will clarify that it is F war. So if somebody looks at baseball reference and says, oh, I got a 4.2, I don't want to hear it. But <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, yeah, no, I agree. I like the the whole thing, you know. Somebody uh, somebody tweeted today about uh, about Larry Garcia. I think it was uh, I think it was uh, Jordan from uh, uh, Jordan Lazowski posted you know like posted a tweet about uh, Larry Garcia and how you know how abysmal he's been since the uh, since the All Star break. And I want to say it's like uh, I want to say he's batting like one. 180 or something like that with like a 400 slugging and uh like a 230 on base and um and somebody commented oh do a Brayu and Anderson now and I'm just like dude are you dense you know like okay you know I w- I will give you their batting averages haven't been great since the All-Star break but uh Jose Abreu is uh he has a one like a one twelve WRC plus since the All Star break, so he's still twelve percent better than a average baseball player, you know, at his position. And uh, Anderson, I want to say, is like a ninety eight or ninety six WRC plus, so he's close to an average player. And Moncada, same thing. I think, I think it was that Anderson was ninety six and Moncada was ninety eight. So I mean, they're they're right about at average right now, and. You see how many guys they're leaving on base and how awful they're doing, and they're still average. So that right there, the the fact that everybody is outraged and thinks that they're terrible and yet they're still average, that should tell you something of how good they normally His are. team should be playing at MVP level because we're spoiled little brats and we were told that 
that everybody was going to be awesome and they were all going to be monsters all the time, every day. And the White Sox were going to go 162 and 0 when they were ready to uh, make that push for the World Series window. Not going to happen. Their guys are going to go through slumps. Unfortunately, some of those slumps have happened all at the same time. Hopefully, they break out all at the same time. But, you know, we're talking about a team who's nine games up in a division. And Cleveland looks like they pretty much waved the white flag. So uh, I don't think that there is any chance unless. Oh, knock on wood. Unless, uh, you know, the injury bug decides to bite us really bad yet again. Uh, there's there's a little chance that this team is going to be caught for the division. Uh, White Sox are got a really good shot at being uh, first round by in in the uh, AL playoff picture. So uh, that's already a push. You know, we talk about last year uh, playing against that, you know, the three game uh, wild card series against the A's and how badly that went. And some of the biggest complaints about that team was uh, not having the pitching to make it beyond that first round. I'm pretty sure, uh, in my opinion, Rick Hahn and company addressed that issue when they uh, when they fixed the starting rotation this year. Uh, by the way, which is you know, if not the best, one of the best starting rotations in baseball. And now we're uh, looking at one of the best uh, back ends of the bullpen in baseball as well, too. So, pretty strong uh, White Sox team as it sits right now, going deep into the playoffs. I, I, it's it's just how I see it. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about that earlier today. Um, so last year for that A's series, you had Julia to start game one, then you had Keiko game two, and then you had uh, a cluster in game three with Dunning, Crochet, and everybody else on the pitching, uh, on the entire pitching staff. Um, when you look at it this year, You've got Lynn and Rodon, who's pitching like that guy that you thought you drafted. So now I, I was I was trying to think what my rotation would be if we were to go into a three game series like that. What what we would do? I I have to imagine that you're going to throw Lance Lynn first in game one. Is is that is that where you're coming from with that? Yeah, I, I don't see how you can go any other way. Uh, and then from there, I think just given uh, what this guy has done, especially after everything he's been gone through, I think my number two has got to be Carlos. It's got to be uh, hard Carl 55. Los is, uh, he's been dealing all season. Uh, we finally get a Carlos Rodon that's healthy after years of uh, shoulder issues. And uh, he looks to be the special guy that the Sox thought they were getting in the first round when they drafted him. So, you know, if we can keep this guy healthy and the two of those are going, you know, one, it's your one, two punch going into the, into the, into the playoffs. You can pick any one of the other three really to be your third. I mean, Cease is, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but he's been solid for, he, you know, he, he goes about five innings before he really starts to, uh, before he starts to look a little shaky, but uh, yeah, again, it's usually we, like one inning gets him you know like one yeah. in, one inning will make him look kind his stats look worse than they normally you know than they use than they are in that that game it's always one inning that that uh that gets him you know like three four and runs you know the thing is chances are he's probably going to be shuffled to uh you know long middle relief for this team and in, in come playoff time anyway 
But uh, let's just say you had to get a start out of him. If he give you, if he gives you four or five solid innings with the bullpen the way it's shaped right now, I like our chances. About, yeah, again, I mean, about anybody. Yeah, I mean, like obviously we're gonna have to see where we're at come October. You know, I mean, it could be that uh, Giolito starts coming on really strong, and maybe one of the other guys starts kind of, you know, dipping a little bit. I mean, I I hope not, of course, but I mean. You know how the rigors are of uh, are of a uh, one sixty two. You know, I mean, it's it's a long season. So, if every single one of these guys keeps clicking for the entire season, I'll be impressed and yeah. kind of shocked, actually. Yeah, so. and you know, we've seen a little bit of dip in performance from uh, Kid Kike's, uh last couple of outings. Uh, you know, he's he's been shaky at best. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he snaps out of it. Maybe he just needs a little bit of rest. You know, it's a long season coming off a 60-game season last year. Yeah, but see here, the, uh, I, he's a I was bit hoping this would get brought up because they have been beating the drum for the last week that he built up slowly in spring training because he knew it was going to be a longer year. So right now he should be hitting stride, and he's he's looked worse in the last yeah. like, three, four weeks. I mean, I've heard all of what you're saying too. I've I've heard that the the rhetoric of I mean, uh, you know saying what they're saying. But uh, oh, I know I'm I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying here. But uh, you know we got to be honest. You take a look around baseball. We've harped on this many times on our stream over the last couple of months about the amount of injuries that have piled up across baseball. And I know we'll get a little bit more into that later on. We're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a dive on that. So stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, I mean the amount of injuries that have piled up are astronomical, and across baseball as a whole. So you can't tell me that anybody, anybody in this in this league right now, was ramped up and ready to go for one sixty two, no matter who they were. I, I just I don't buy it. They can say what they want, but not happening, man. The last year and a half has taken its toll on everybody in every industry, and baseball is no different. So. That's my two yeah. cents. Uh, I have to. I have to download those two files that I that I showed you earlier. Those uh, those two graphs. And uh, yeah, you guys will enjoy these when you see them. When he puts insanity. them up. Uh, yeah, absolutely um, insanity. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, Graham, it's possible. It's possible. But how does it? You know, how does he go? How does he go the first half of the season doing what he's done, and then just be bad overnight? Uh, that's it's either got to be you know wear and tear you know some sort of some sort of strain on his arm whatever but you know he hasn't been bad all season he's just had a couple of clunker starts here so i mean who are we talking about right now keiko oh dallas but uh yeah i mean is it possible it's possible but i'm not buying that either yeah i don't know man (laughs) I don't know. It's just like there's been there's been too many clunkers, you know, in in my opinion. There's just been too many clunkers so far, but you know, last year he was really good, but we've we also had the conversation last week that um you know, last year he wasn't leaving pitches in the middle of the zone whether it be, you know, inside outside but it's always mid thigh level, and he That's just where he keeps gets getting killed. Up. Yeah, he needs to. He, goes, he, needs he to throws. His... He he leaves a couple. It's it only happens a few times a game, but he leaves a few. Yeah, pretty much middle middle. 
And those ones that he leaves middle, middle, they get hit really hard. Uh, and I mean, it's no joke. He's throwing some cement mixers that do nothing. So yeah, I get that. I, I get yeah. where that feeling can come from where, you know, maybe he is just bad, but uh, I think it's just, I don't know. It could be a lack of focus. It could be a lot of different things. He is getting older. He is, and he and he's married, so maybe he doesn't have that eye of the tiger anymore. You know, I mean, I don't hey, know. <laughs> my wife might be on this on this stream. I, I I have no comment on that. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's go ahead, and I've got that. Uh, I've got those uh, those trade those trade slides ready. So we'll go ahead and bring those up. Uh, just a visual representation, so you guys can see who we got, who we got rid of. Blah blah. I mean, we already talked about it, but, you know, I'll throw it up anyway. So, oh, that's straight three. That's not what I wanted. Oof. There we go. So, uh, yeah, the first trade, uh, we got the uh, Cesar Hernandez for uh, Connor Pilkington. And uh, so in that we get uh, – He's not, you know, like we talked about earlier, his uh, his average, his his batting average. I know Bozy, but uh, his uh, his batting average, you know, is a little bit, le you know, less than uh, than it has been in the past. Um, he's hit as high, I believe, as like two ninety seven ish, if I remember correctly, for the Phillies a few years back, and uh, apparently, you know, per whoever, um, he's tried to sell out for power a little bit more. So that uh, pseudo explains his uh, his loss in power or his uh, loss in average. Uh, a little bit more swing and miss when he's you know swinging harder. So there's that. Uh, also, Gold Glove last year. Um, now I will mention that if you actually look at uh, Cesar Hernandez's uh, advanced fielding numbers, uh, you will see that last year seems to be an anomaly for his career. And I don't mean to uh, to ruin everybody's hopes and dreams, but uh, last year his DRS was a, a solid six, and this year it is negative six. So uh, in his... Um, I had not his, looked at that. Yeah, his ultimate zone rating for last year was a seven point one, which is like second for his second for his career. Um, so, and, and it's quite a bit far, you know, qu quite a bit better than it has been in okay. in years. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's there is some, uh, you know, I mean, you saw that play that he made uh, yesterday. He some of the uh, over the shoulder yeah. catch out I mean, in uh, short right center. Yeah, I mean, number one, you know, he's he's five foot ten, so he's got uh, he's got minimum three inches of height on Madrigal. I would have said it was closer to a foot, but okay. <laughs> you yeah, you would think, but you know, he, I mean, he's only he's only uh, he's only you know supposedly five ten. So and you know you know how uh, teams do this stuff. He's probably five nine, uh, you know when he wakes up first thing in the morning. And uh, Nick Madrigal, yeah, there's tweets. yeah. I mean I've I've seen uh, I've seen the measurements for Madrigal saying that he's like five foot seven, five foot eight, you know. And what? I, I th yeah on, on Oregon State. Uh, when he's he was like in, a Lilliputian, dude. I don't know where. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
Yeah. <laughs> Oregon State, I think his freshman year actually put six foot as his height one time on one of their uh, press releases. That had so, to be a uh, joke. It was a dare. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I've, it was a I've dare. St- I dare to do it, man. Yeah. I, I stood next to the guy and uh, like I'm five, ten and a half ish. And like, I don't know, man. I was uh whole head taller. Not a whole head, but it was, you know, it was it was a bit. So uh anyway, yeah, so that's uh that's our man uh Cesar Hernandez. Um Oof, allergies are killing me today, man. Sorry guys. Trade. Digging in my eyeball all night long. Well at least you're not getting licked by the dog this time. Yeah, you know, uh we got that out of the way uh pre stream here. You know. He's licking me. <laughs> so uh, Ryan Tapera, uh, we grab from the Cubs and send uh, left-hander Bailey Horn uh, back to the uh, the Cubbies. And uh, so in Ryan Tapera, you get a very solid middle relief pitcher. Now, there have been a couple of years, namely uh, – his last year with the Blue Jays in 2019, he was terrible. Yeah. Uh, like the kind of guy that, uh, I'm basically, I mean, you could look at it like Jose Ruiz, you know? Everybody wanted to launch him into the sun. That's the kind of year that uh, Tapera had his last year with the uh, Blue Jays. But uh, last year he was he was fairly solid, you know, um, 3.92 ERA and a 3.34 uh, FIP. So I mean a fairly 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 solid um, you know stats. So uh, and then this year, you know, I'll I mean, you've seen it. We were talking about it earlier. Is that everybody's ready to throw this guy, you know, into onto the Dan Ryan in rush hour, hoping he gets run over after those first two outings he had. But uh, I mean. I think that what that was like the only run that he had get like the first run that he gave up in that uh, in his first appearance that home run was like the first like run he had let up all of July, right? Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, I, I would say there's probably some nerves there. Um, the uh, well, you know, I mean, you you get shuffled across town. Uh, I mean, not that he didn't know it was coming because, uh, everybody knew the Cubs were going to be selling and we, everybody knew that, uh, he was going to be one of the names that was going to be looked at. Probably didn't think he was going to be driving there though. No, probably not. Uh, he did draw a lot of interest from some other teams. The White Sox were not the only ones looking at him. So, uh, I'm sure he didn't know exactly where he was going, but he knew he was going somewhere. But, you know, when you're, when you get that news, and you literally are driving across town and starting or well not starting but you're getting your first appearance the day of the trade uh i, I imagine that's uh a bit nerve-wracking yeah and not then, to mention you know, Lollapalooza was happening so he ends up getting stuck oh, in traffic on the way over there so damn it i'm gonna be late <laughs> all sorts of people over there with uh purchased vax cards i'm sure <laughs> yeah i'm sure too uh you know we're not going to get into that. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, yeah. I think uh, the opposing batting average versus Tapera this year has been it's it's in like the one sixties to one eighties somewhere in there. It's it's real low. The guy hasn't been given up very much contact. Hasn't been given up any runs. Um, he's been really solid and is certainly an upgrade over 
you know, a Foster or a Hoyer or a Marshall. Uh, all those guys so far this year that have disappointed, this guy is a big upgrade over those guys. Not to mention he's been in it, you know. He's been around for, for years, you know. So he's seen, you know, he's seen uh, some pressure. He's, you know, 33 years old. He's durable, you know. So I, I think that uh, that's a, a real solid pickup. And um, I'm not complaining about that one at all. And, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things, you know, like when we were talking last week about um, about trade deadline and who we were looking for, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, Hand, we're looking at uh, Daniel Hudson, and uh Daniel Bard. Yeah, Bard. Um I think you brought up one other guy and I'm trying to remember who it was, but I mean you brought up somebody else. And you know, I thought about Tapera. But I didn't Oh, somebody just got shot outside, I think. Not really, but it's fireworks. <laughs> but um I you know, the third trade never Never did it cross my mind that Kimbrell was really going to be a possibility. It's kind of one of those things that was like kind of a, a like such a luxury at the time. Yeah, you know, it was talked about by a lot of folks on social media. Uh, it was a want, but it was one of those ones where it just it, it felt like a bit of a pipe dream. You know, Uh were the Sox going to deal with the Cubs? You know, we talked, you know, Tapera was one thing, but were the Sox going to deal with the Cubs for one of their uh, bigger names, it, whether it be a, a position player or a pitcher? And uh, I'm with you, man. I don't know that, uh, I don't know that I ever felt like it was even a possibility. Yeah. I mean, so I will, uh, I, I will go and I'll just jump on this grenade now. Because uh, if anybody goes back and listens to the podcast from last week and hears me talk about uh, the magical to Seattle rumors and <laughs> how stupid I said it was. And I said, but I will say that the last thing that I said was on the on the matter, I said, it's just so stupid that there's no way that it could happen. But that's exactly what I said about La Russa. And he got hired, so that that means he'll probably get traded. And sure enough, Nick Madrigal and uh, Cody Hur go to uh, the Cubs in return for uh, Craig Krimble. And Krimble, uh, yeah. So uh, if you haven't looked at uh, Craig Krimble's uh, stats from this year, um, hey, Kendall's really, here today. Really impressive stuff. Uh, 2.2 war already uh, through July for a reliever is uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Pretty phenomenal. Um, his uh, his FIP is 1.09, and his ERA right now after his uh, after his appearance for the White Sox is at a 0.47 ERA, and. Yeah, just insane. And um yeah, whip is under 9, so point yeah, his, nine. his whip is 0. .67. There you go. I mean, there you go. That's uh, just over a half a base runner an inning. 
which is like Justin Verlander at uh, the height of his time, uh, Garrett Cole with all the sticky stuff, uh, Justin Verlander, I guess probably the same thing. Um, but like, that's what you're looking at. Like that, that level of dominance where just nobody's getting on base and, um, yeah, I, you cannot complain about this. You, you knew that the two things that the White Sox needed was, uh, minimum in the, at the trade deadline were bullpen arms and a second baseman. And um, both of them got addressed. And, you know, Cesar Hernandez is not Adam Frazier. Um, but then again, you're also, uh, you're not spending the kind of prospect capital that you probably would have needed to spend to get, you know, an Adam Frazier for Cesar Hernandez. So, and I have to agree with uh, True Sayer here. Uh, yeah, Nick Madrigal is just one of those guys that, you know, a lot of White Sox fans uh, loved him. But uh, I don't think it is a uh, – it, here's the thing. I'm going to backtrack a little bit here. It's one of those It's one of those positions that we see. You know, uh, Kendall from uh, White Sox Premium and I have talked about this a little bit, you know, and it was per- apparent this year as well. And just about every other year, second basemen are available damn near every trade deadline. Uh, it's it's one of those positions where, you know, guys get shuffled around quite a bit. Uh, they're available, you know, in the offseason. So, yeah, does it suck to see a first-round draft pick go? Sure. But what we got in return, I would say, you know, is he Nick Madrigal? No. Is he good enough? I think so, Absolutely. You know, I don't think it's something that the White Sox are going to regret. And, uh, you know, again, he's got an option for next year. If they decide to uh, exercise his option, keep him around, you know, fine. Is it is it an option or is it a... For Cesar Hernandez? Yeah. Yeah, it's an option. It's a team option, right? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, if they decide to keep him around or if they decide to go another route, you know, so be it. But uh, right now, the, the, uh, the second base position for the White Sox was hurting pretty badly and uh you know let's be honest as, as much as leori has stepped up in certain times this season he's not the guy that you want to see starting out there every day danny mendick you know his having a hard time swinging the bat this season uh he showed flashes last year we're not seeing a whole lot of those flashes this year he belongs right where he's at with charlotte knights so yeah and you know i mean that's the kind of thing is that uh you know danny mendick could be one of those guys that ends up coming up in September and ends up uh, being like a, a nice fill in piece for you when, you know, everybody else is kind of uh, like kind of taking a little bit of a break and getting some days off and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't doing it up here. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate because you, you'd like to see him succeed. Um, but he just wasn't, uh, wasn't carrying it out there, which is which is unfortunate, but you know, is what it is. You know, you know you're see those kind of not things. Not everybody not everybody can be that uh, you know, superstar. Um, you know, it is what it is. It is true. Um yeah, low ceiling, high floor player. Yeah, no, I you know I I won't even say that he's necessarily a low ceiling guy because low ceiling I think is uh selling him short. Um, see what I did there. Um, 
it, it's kind of one of those things where you know if he's ba- you know if if he ends up hitting like 340 and is always on base and you know he he was actually doing a better job at taking walks this season and um, yeah. he he was starting to get that gap to gap you know down the line doubles and triples he was starting to get there and i kind of think that uh he could be a very good player and could see some all-star games and especially now that he's on the north side i mean we've seen how the cubs fans love their short players they love them like augie ojeda and guys like that guys that are sub five eight like they always love those guys and the fact that he's going to hit probably like especially in that park he's probably you know you you know you say that he's not going to hit 10 home runs a year but at that place i think you know with the wind blowing out at that place sometimes i don't you know with the training wheel home runs i think he could certainly hit 10 if not even more you know which is is ridiculous but you know if you say so i'll uh, believe it when i know. see it I'll believe it when I see him make it through an entire major league season. No, uh, oh yeah, well there's of course there's that surgery. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly. And there's also no guarantee, you know, with this leg surgery that he had that he comes back and he's still got the same tool set that he had before. You know? Right. I mean it and could be that the other uh, is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean it just could be that he's, you know, his uh his uh home to first time you know, goes up by like a half second, you know, like you, you really don't know what you're going to get back when he, when he actually makes his way back from the surgery. And well, that, I, I'm not, I mean, that's fine. And he can walk more. Like you said, he was, he was walking more and he was finding gap power, but you know, when he's standing on first base, uh, the other thing I, I, I'd like to see is, uh, I'd like to see him make it to second without stumbling or second guessing himself or moving back and forth and getting tagged out in a rundown. That should never have been a rundown. You know, and we saw that a few times last year, and then we saw it again this year where it, it actually worked out a couple of times early on in the season. I remember a particular game against the Angels in the first week of the season where, uh, you know, he made the Angels throw the baseball around the field like to four or five different guys before he ended up scoring because they threw the ball away. But, you know, it was just pure luck because Nick Madrigal was Nick Madrigaling all over the base. Yeah, pass. it was a stupid play at second base. I think I think I know the one that you're talking about. Yeah, no, and like the thing that we talked about it, you know, like he's in his own head at that particular point, you know, like uh, and and last year, same thing, you know. Oh just yeah, maybe he figures it out, make but... mistakes, you know. But uh, you know, whatever. I totally you know, agree. He might not be the same guy after the surgery. We have no idea, you know. We we don't know what we're gonna see when he comes back, and you know. Now it's not a we thing anymore because he's off on the other side of town, so uh, they can worry about it. But, um, yeah, so uh, speaking of hamstring injuries. Oh, here's what I was talking about, fellas. Ready yeah, for this? so I don't know if any of you guys happen to be uh, baseball prospectus people um, and uh, A, receive their newsletter, and B, uh, subscribe so you can actually read the articles. But um, today they dropped an article on hamstring injuries. And um, I'll just go ahead and uh, more or less say that they, they don't come to a direct conclusion at the end of the article saying what it is that's causing the injuries. 
what they say at the beginning is they said that there is, you know, because of the 60 game season, they kind of think that that's, you know, they think that the reason why that they're going to find out by the end of this article with like the, the, the information that they were getting is that they thought that it was going to be because of the 60 game season and that it was the 60 game season that was causing some of these injuries. And, uh, yes, because of the COVID, um, but it ends up, uh, the, the, the chart that they, that they published is very interesting and it basically more or less shows you that everybody's saying all this stuff. Um, and of course that's not showing up in there. It should be showing up in there. Why isn't it showing up? Um, all right. So now I'm going to have to sit here and figure this whole stupid thing out. Thanks. OBS. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. White Sox daily technical difficulties. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, like you said, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a thing if we didn't have the problems, you know? Well, that's what makes us fun. <laughs> yes. Something <laughs> like that. Um, all right. Where is that? All right. Let me do this again. You guys can watch us fumble through this over and over week after week as if Dude. we've never done it before. Yeah. Seriously. Hey. What, the... yeah. what is going on here? Okay. There... Hey, look at that. Love it. All Wonderful. Right. Best ever. Okay, <laughs> cool. All right. So now I'm going to have to make that smaller. There we go. Yeah, so the thing that everybody, you know, is thinking of is this 60-game season thing. And um, I apologize for people that are listening on the podcast, but I'm going to bring up a graph here that has uh, a graph of all the teams and their hamstring injuries. But the interesting thing is that it takes it over four years. So it's going from 2018 to 2021. So, as you can see, uh, the White Sox are on the right-hand side of this graph. And it is all hamstring injuries from 2018 through 2021. And the White Sox have 16 hamstring injuries in those four years uh, where guys take DL stints because of hamstring. The other teams that are in the teens, which there are only two, are the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Mets. And uh, my favorite one that I see is the Mariners on the left-hand side of this graph, which they have one hamstring injury in four years. To me, what that suggests is that this is indeed a training issue. Because if you see over four years how the White Sox are pretty much pretty consistent. They had one uh, 2020. They didn't have, uh, I don't think they had one uh, hamstring injury in 2020. But the other years, uh, this year I believe they have seven. And I think uh, I think it's three in 2019 and then six in 2018. So to me, yeah, yeah, Kendall. I mean, like that's the thing is that I didn't want to make a, a declaration of what was causing the issues 
until I saw something like this that would actually tell me with some sort of, uh, I don't know, definitive yeah, I'll, answer, I'll admit that know? I was one that uh, I, I argued against it being a training thing, but after seeing that graphic, I had the same realization that I was wrong and that uh, it does look like it is a training staff training you know program related thing because there's there's no way that the Sox can go through as many and yet there's another team at the very other opposite end of the spectrum where they've had one over four you know. years now and then you look back at two when ah see here there shy Sox 23 just hit my point herm schneider makes his exit becomes the you know head athletic trainer emeritus meaning he is not here he just bears the title. Uh, you know, uh, we were, I, I don't even know. We were, we, I, we were in a golden era during Herm's tenure here where they were the least oft injured team for many, 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 many years. And yeah. It was like 11, Herm 12 makes, years. Yeah. And Herm makes his exit and now, guys are going down left and right so you know i hope that uh i hope that these the kind of things are making their way across uh rick Hahn's desk and the front office in general uh a change needs to be made that, that's all there is to it yeah so i mean like that's my question and they actually brought it up at the end of the article is that what you know are you sending out your headhunter at the end of the year and trying to steal away the mariners training Absolutely. staff I mean, like, this is ridiculous. Absolutely. Money talks, baby. Um, so, now, it depends on uh, who you talk to, though, uh, whether or not the White Sox have any money that they're willing to throw around. But uh, money talks. And when you're talking about having a team that's going to be perennial contenders, you got to go get somebody that's going to be able to keep your boys healthy. Yeah, so it was after 2018 that Schneider, uh, Herm Schneider yeah. took off. Yeah, that was his last season was 2018 yeah. so and i mean like you know we did have uh you know like I, i'm just saying probably in his last year um i know that they brought somebody new on after that but i could have swore that uh the majority of the training staff was here with him uh before he left i could be wrong but i could have swore that most of them just kind of like took like a promotion slash uh, bump when he took off makes you wonder though if that's the case uh is it the off-season training programs that these guys are doing they're going to all these different off-site uh centers you know they've got different programs where you know guys are training in canada and in you know in their uh wherever their their winter homes are and you see guys from different major league teams training in the same places guys that don't play together throughout the, you know, the regular season. And some of these programs are, you know, they're like non MLB training programs, even though these, uh, these trainers and, and these guys running these programs claim to be, you know, the best of the best and whatnot. But uh, you know, I don't know if it's coming from those types of situations or the situations that we see, uh, you know, with the team, but there's obviously something needs to change. It, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I just brought up the, uh, the, the second graph, which is the upper leg injuries all around. 
which, you know, encompasses like, uh, you know, quads and groins and knees, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the White Sox uh, are no longer in first place. They are tied with the Mets for with the Mets and the Rangers for second place with 18. And uh, so that means that there's only two extra injuries, you know, for, you know, if you include everything else. So it's basically all hamstrings for the for the White Sox. But uh, the Rays jump up to 21 and are in first. So that's kind of yeah. What are they doing down there that's making it so bad that they're having all those issues? I, you know, who knows? You know, so I don't know. I just found this uh, to be very interesting, especially you know considering what you've what you've seen from you know this this White Sox team with just the ridiculous rash of injuries. You know, I mean, it's pretty pretty brutal. But uh, it seems like uh, everybody else is uh, not everybody, but uh, quite a few other teams are getting hit hard. But it's nowhere close to what the what the White Sox are doing. Yeah, I guess I, yeah, turf makes sense. That uh, race, yeah, that uh, that stadium is a pile of garbage. Yeah, there's <laughs> no joke about that. No joke. So, yeah. uh, what do we got? What what else do we have on the agenda today? Because uh, I know we've got some pretty good stuff to talk about. Uh, we've talked a little bit, uh, about the trades. We've talked a little bit about some of the offensive woes, but, uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit offline. I'm kind of curious as where you want to head next. Well, um, yeah, um, I did have something and it just uh, popped out of my head. Um, I will, uh, one thing I will bring up is that, uh, that Jordan Lazowski tweet did, uh, mention Larry Garcia, you know, and how bad he's been since the All-Star break. Guy's got a 39 WRC plus Ew. since uh, since the All-Star break. 39. I was... Uh, 39. Yeah, I was uh, pretty shocked. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 39. That's pretty bad. Oh, Shy Sox 23 says, let's talk about Jose being blunt. We can talk about that for a couple minutes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Jake Karinchek specifically. You know, because uh, I've seen a pretty interesting graph over the last uh, week or so highlighting Jake Karinchek's uh, spin rates and accuracy since the admonishment of, what is that, the the go juice, what do they call it, uh, the spider bite. Spider tech. You know, yeah, whatever. Hydroclonic. I don't know. Yeah, spider tag, whatever Something that stuff like is. That. Yeah, the sticky stuff, the go juice. Yeah, he's uh, not so good. He's dropped like something. It's something ridiculous, like twelve or fifteen hundred revolutions on his uh, on his spin rate, uh, and his his accuracy, his his command is damn near gone. Because the guy is still throwing, well, he's throwing the ball in the same spots that he always had. They're just not breaking into the spots that he used to go. And now you're getting guys like Jose Abreu getting hit in the ear hole and going down. And, you know, again, I uh, I don't know. It's uh, It's one of those situations where I personally would have taken my top slugger you know, number one RBI guy in the game for the last seven years 
out just as a precaution, maybe for a night, you know, uh, TLR seems to see it another way, but again, we're talking about guys being injured and, you know, training decisions and training programs. That's one of those ones. It's not a training thing. And I think you should probably, you know, err on the side of caution, but I'm not a major league manager, so I don't get paid to make those kind of decisions. What the hell do I know? Yeah. Uh, the yeah the whole thing. Uh, I did happen to find uh, Jose Abreu's uh, uniform for the uh, the next Cleveland series. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, um, that's what he's going to be wearing for the uh, the next Cleveland series. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's uh, ooh. yeah. I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, so uh yeah, it's pretty rough, you know. It's like th- you've got the uh everybody snake knows oil, snake eyes, you know, kind of kind of the thing of what what to do with Jose Abreu is to pound him inside and keep on pounding him inside, it, especially, you know, if there's somebody on base is that you don't want, you know, you do, you don't want to allow him to get his arms extended and hit the ball and to drive the ball because if he does it, he's going to drive somebody in, you know, I mean, the guy is like clockwork every year with basically like 30 home runs and a hundred RBIs every year. And last year, you know, he was on pace for that, you know, he's on pace for 160 RBIs, RBIs or something like that. And, uh, you know, so the Indians are just trying to pound him inside. And the problem is, is that Karen check with his curveball and his slider and all that stuff, he's not getting that break. So when he tries to throw that, you know, that breaking ball in on the hands to saw him off, it's not breaking back. So it's just hitting him. And, uh, um, what's the, uh, the, the starter's name, uh, starts with a C. It's all those C names and, uh, K names. Uh, uh, Quantrill? uh, Quantrill with a Q, huh? With a Q, yeah, yeah so close e, enough. Q, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, like he hit him as well. So I mean, it's you know, thanks for the follow X Game Six. Didn't uh, didn't catch that one. Okay. I missed it. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just the thing, you know, and and the the best the best highlight of the uh, of the week, you know, was Tony Larusa. Doing his little jog from uh, 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 from the dugout to uh, home plate, and because uh, the gifts that have come from that one have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, just gifts I like the, the memes have been awesome. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. the The one with him storming the beach in, uh, you know, <laughs> on Normandy, fantastic. Um, but uh, you know, that was when uh, Jose gets hit with like a ninety eight mile an hour fastball in the ear. You know, it's it, it's insane. You know. And it was I, a fastball, I, but it was also supposed to be his, it was supposed to be his cutter, which is supposed to tail. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, guess what? It's, if it's, it's going to tail, it's just going to tail to his nose instead of his ear, you know? Which is true. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's the, it was, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, put him in the relay. Take him gold. Put, uh, yeah. put, put TLR <laughs> in the 100-meter uh, hurdles. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I mean that, that that whole thing was just really ugly. And then, back, you, bro. And then you've back. got uh then you got Fran Mill Reyes popping off. You know. Oh what that guy's Come on, idiot. man. Come on. Total meathead. Oh. 
if somebody hits me, there's going to be a problem. Okay, dude, shut up and go sit down. Nobody cares Bonk. about you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay, we get it. You're a tough guy. Cool. All right. Yeah, go right. Sit back down on the bench. Um, but uh, yeah, that whole thing was a uh, was a train wreck. And uh, I I got I gotta say the uh, the that series, the fact that we managed to pull that one out on Sunday with that uh, Goodwin home run was, I mean, I, me personally, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, the Indians trade away a couple of their relievers. They trade us their second baseman. And yet here they are playing us tough. You know, nobody told them that, you know, that was a white flag trade and they're still ready to go. And uh, here yeah. we are struggling. It was They're doing it for Tito. Doing for Tito. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, let me answer this. Now, I know Tito Francona has, he's, I mean, it. it's no joke. He's had some pretty serious health issues over the last couple of years. Uh, he's been through a ton of surgeries. He's got something going on in his gut that's just not cool. Um, But uh, I find it odd. That after everything he's been through and the time that he missed, I mean, even going into the season, he missed a bunch of time in uh, spring training where he wasn't with the team because he had been through some another surgery in his, you know, in his gut somewhere. And uh, I don't want to take anything away from the guy. I mean, he's been a great manager for many years. Uh, and we, like Came I said, from we know our he's been tree going through too. These. Yeah, yeah. And I know he's, uh, I know he's been going through these health issues. I don't want to take anything away from that either, but. You know, do, does anybody else find it odd that when he decides to step away from the game is right after they sell away half his players? Well, I mean, to uh, to be fair, um, it is a hip replacement surgery, and uh, he was having problems walking. And so okay. I guess it's kind of one of those things, you know, where, you know, if... Well, you can't charge like uh, TLR did when you've had a hip replacement surgery, so... <laughs> he had his hip replacement surgery and that's why he's back managing, you know? So I don't know. Maybe we see uh Frank Kona come back with uh, a fervor for management again. You know, I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens, but I mean, I can't blame the guy, you know, I, like my mom, uh, she had hip replacement surgery and she dealt with it for years and years and years. I mean, she like dealt with it for like 40 years and finally she just got it done and she feels great now so i like i can't i can't blame him for for just go ahead and biting the bullet and doing it because it's fairly obvious I'm, you know i'm not trying to take anything away from the guy i just felt like the timing was a bit it, you know yeah well, just, i mean that just, you lose your two it, top starting pitchers too you know bieber and savali are both gone as well so right. you know you lose your top starting pitchers and then uh, and they traded Carrasco away, so they don't have him anymore, you know, uh, before the year. And, uh, you know, you trade away a couple of your relievers and your second baseman. Yeah, I mean, like, he knows that it's it's a, an eventual, you know, he's just kind of doing like a slow death march if he just keeps on going. And if he's uncomfortable the entire time, I, I totally get it, you know, so. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, I just thought I would throw it out there. Yeah, you know, I saw it, that it, too. Uh, Shy Sox twenty three says he saw Jose talking to Ramirez after he got plunked. Yeah, I mean, I I assume that uh, that Ramirez had to be saying, you know, like he's not meaning to do that, you know, 
chill. But at the same time, I'm sure Jose was probably like, yeah, I don't care if he meant to do it. It still hurts, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, and it was a second or third time he'd been hit in that series already. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure he's saying, you know, like enough is enough. I, I don't care if you mean to do it or not. Quit trying to throw at my shoulder and hope it hooks over a plate. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Eloy's groin, you know, he comes back two games, and then he's out again. And, uh, you know, we have Running no time. Bases. Yeah, we got uh, – We talked about this. We talked about this. We talked about how take Eloy out of the outfield because, obviously, he likes to use the netting like a hammock. He likes to climb walls like he's an eight-year-old climbing trees and hang and tear his pectorals right off the bone. And, you know, he likes to do all these goofy stuff, run into guys. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, when you throw him, if you're going to throw him back out in left field, he made some pretty good plays. I'm not, I, you know, yep. he made some, he made some plays, saved some runs, you know, okay. But then we talked about him getting hurt in the field or hurting somebody else in the field. And then he goes and he pulls a groin, running the damn bases. How many times did we talk about this? There's no guarantee that even if we make Eloy Jimenez a DH, that he's not going to go out and find a way to bang himself up doing that. And lo and behold, running the bases. Sure enough. Um, the other guy, uh, Robert. Uh, he got, got promoted up to uh, Charlotte and... Um, He's been playing there. Uh, he's had a couple of scheduled days off, but he's been playing. Um, he did not play yesterday, and I am unclear as to whether it was a scheduled day off because he had just had a scheduled day off on Wednesday or Thursday. So I'm not entirely sure if it's because he's coming back because uh, Grimtall brought it up to me uh, yesterday um, that uh, – you know, there's a rumor circulating around that Luis is going to be back tomorrow for the game tomorrow. Now, from what Larusa said when he was asked that question on Saturday, he said that he did not expect uh, Robert back for this next series. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, he's not back tomorrow just because of that's what TLR said. But, uh, you know, I don't have any proof one way or the other I and somebody had said something about him cleaning out his locker down there which you know I don't know whether or not that's true or not um because I'm not hanging out down there but uh you know I mean anything's possible but uh you know I've I've watched his games while he's down there and I'm seeing uh shades of uh September last year Robert you know, with the uh, swing and miss at the uh, slow breaking balls and the outside sliders, seeing that down there. Uh, looks to me like he's pressing a little bit and he just wants to get back here. So, I mean, it could be that he's going to be fine when he comes up. It could be that, uh, you know, he's going to have uh, a little while until he gets back into the swing of things, which is bad because, you know, when he left, he was uh, – hitting the crap out of the ball. So it would be uh, a sad thing for him to uh, come back and struggle right off the bat. I don't want to see him. I mean, again, the White Sox uh, talked about taking their time with him and this injury. Uh, I don't really see any pressing need for them to hurry him back. 
you know, we can talk about how flat the offense has been at times over the last month, month and a half. But, uh, you know, I'd rather see the guy come back healthy and with the same kind of confidence that, you know, he knows in his head that he's ready and that he's feeling 100 percent. I'd rather see things go down that way. But again, you know, I'm not an MLB manager. I'm not an MLB GM. So I'm just going to have to trust in the powers that be on this one, but I'm with you. I don't, I, you know, there's just doesn't seem like TLR would come out and say something, you know, as much as, Oh, he's not going to be here for the next series. Cause I had heard the same thing. And uh, you know, why say that if you're going to bring him up Tuesday, this isn't the NFL where you can, you know, yeah, exactly. You, where you can, you can act shady about, uh, you know, injuries where guys are questionable. Yeah, trying to get him to game plan for somebody else. And right. Then you, then you bring out Tom Brady right. at the very last second and, you know, oh. You know, right, right. Yeah, that's not, you know, that's it's MLB. It doesn't baseball. work that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of uh, awesome things that have come from Charlotte in the uh, the recent uh, recent time, uh, Sebi Zavala, three home run game the other day. That Free was impressive. Baby. Yes, very impressive. So, um, time in Sox history that uh, a player has hit three home runs in a game. First time that a catcher has done it in White Sox history, and first time in MLB history that a player, a, a rookie, has hit his first three home runs in a single game. So, pretty impressive stuff there. Yeah, pretty fantastic. Um, you know, uh, when he hit his first home run, he came up for his second at bat in that game. And I was, uh, I was in the process of driving, uh, back and forth from somewhere. I forget where, but, uh, whoever, I can't remember who was there with, with, uh, DJ cause, uh, Len was on TV with, uh, Stoney, I think. Does that sound right? I think that's, I think that's right. But, uh, so. he said, uh, it was Connor McKnight said he's not known for his power. And I'm sitting here going, What? No, that's that is what he's known for. He hits the ball <laughs> far and hard. That's what he does. So, um, yeah, let's just dispel that room. Yeah, Connor McKnight. Yeah, like he hits for power. That's what he does. That's his thing. The problem is, is the contact with the baseball has been an issue. You know, for since 2018, basically since he got promoted from uh, Birmingham to Charlotte. And uh, when they brought him to Charlotte and then they brought him up to the White Sox for five games or whatever it was, six games um, in 2019, I think. Um, the guy, since he came to AAA, he just has not been able to make consistent contact to keep his batting average and everything. Yeah, his bat to ball is just, you know, like he's usually sitting in the 230s, you know, somewhere. And then for whatever reason in that game he was feeling it and uh he's hammering the ball that was uh that was fun to see yeah and, and i mean those were those there were not cheapies no they were not cheapies at all they were they were some hard hit hard hit home runs yeah and then the uh then the bullpen goes out and gives up 100 runs and we end up losing 12 to 11 that was uh that's a tough one yeah i was I was not, I was not, uh, I won't say that I was inconsolable, but I was not very happy. <laughs> well, you know, it's just tough to, to see that, you know, the offensive woes that have been happening, like we've been talking about that. I mean, really 
go back to even, you know, the end of June, middle of June, early June, where, you know, we and I have discussed how we watch guys, you know, WRC plus drop by 114 points. And, you know, and it was like pretty much lineup wide guys were struggling. And we've seen this a few times this year where when a slump starts for one guy, it seems like the rest seem to follow suit. But when they all find that groove, they all seem to follow suit. And, uh, oh, man, when you finally get a chance to see this White Sox offense explode and the pitching that has been carrying this team through those slumps implodes with it, that's that's a hard loss to take. Hard loss to take. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, you know, we've talked about this, seems like, every week for two months now. But, uh, you know, there's just been, like, just awful lulls in the offense. And uh, we talked about it this week, um, you know, just about the uh, the runs per game, how the runs per game are below when the you know the the four games in June and July that they didn't score more than uh, eight runs. Uh, if you take out those four games in the last two months, like uh, I want to say that uh, they're under four runs a game for uh, runs per game, which is just. Uh, it's not good, you know, especially with the uh, the state that the bullpen's been in for the last couple months as well. You know, we're hoping that these uh, these new reinforcements change all that, and by, you know, looking at the numbers, it should vastly improve it. Um, you know, maybe four runs will, you know, cut it, but, uh, you know, you look back to May when we were at, like, five and a half runs a game, and uh, this is a far cry from that. Yeah, it's not under three. I did the uh, I did the maths, and uh, I think it ended up being like uh, in July it was below four, and in June I think it was just a hair over four, like four point one or something like that. It was it, well, whatever right. whatever it ended up being, it was ugly. I, I could look right, but you, you and then you take away those those outings where you know you score eight, nine, ten, twelve runs, then it does go under three. I think we did the math so just last week on on the stream. We uh, we discussed this, and uh, you, if you take away the handful of games that were were bigger, uh, yeah, there's bigger only four of them. Outings. Yeah, there's only four those, of them. Yeah, I, it was. We I think we were down to like two seven seven. Is what we what we came up with, but maybe it I was. Am I remembering? Uh, so, last uh, in June and July, they never lost a game where they scored over eight runs. So basically, I just took all of the the games that they scored over eight runs, and there was only four. So you know, I thought it was more than that, but it was only four, and the rest of the time it was like four runs a game. But I mean, whatever. Yeah, two seven seven. No matter two seven two seven seven. When you take away those high scoring games. Yeah, I mean, like that's, the thing uh, is, is that that's, that's there's pretty dismal. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of times where they were scoring seven, eight runs a game over those two months. So it kind of averaged out. Like that's the problem is that it kind of averages out the games that they score one or two runs a game, which happened right. a bunch. But the thing was, is that when they scored seven, eight, nine, there was a bunch of those as well. So it kind of averaged that out to like right around four. So it ended up just being that. So anyway, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty ugly. Yeah, we talked about uh, Raylo earlier, and uh, Ronaldo Lopez has been really solid. 
I mean, who knew that uh, a move to the bullpen would be what this, you know, what he needed. Maybe be the, the pressure of a starter coming off of his shoulders. But, you know, I feel like coming out of the bullpen can be more pressure at times. So I don't really know. Yeah, I think you and that I it, talked you know, a little bit about him in the offseason and Ethan Katz working with him and bringing back, you know, his wipeout breaking ball, the curveball that you know, made him dominant in what was it, 2018? Yeah. Uh, you know, we kind of hoped that that was, and we'd heard, we had heard, you know, rumors in, in spring training and the offseason that that was kind of making its way back. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. A shot in the arm and a, a bullpen spot and a, and a chance to get back in a major league roster. I think he, he's uh, he's showing us that uh, he still wants to be a baseball player. Yeah. So let's see. We got uh, one, two, three, four, five. We got seven appearances, and he has pitched fourteen uh, fourteen innings, and he's given up uh, two earned runs and two home runs. But he's got uh, 15 strikeouts for two walks. So 133 BABIP, which is <laughs> that's pretty stinking good. So his ERA is 1.29. His uh, I will say though that his uh, his FIP is considerably is considerably higher. It's 3.30, but it's still way better than uh, you know what we were looking at with some of the other guys who were you know getting up in the five in the six fours, area. In the yeah, yeah, Foster and Marshall both like creeping up to five and six, you know, and that's yeah, two guys last year that you really depended on and now are just, you know, kind of in the tank. It's uh, but, you know, we've said this time and time again, bullpen arms are volatile and guys can go from the top of the heap to the bottom of the heap real quick. It's it's a far and few between that stay consistent year in and year out. So. Yeah, when you can uh, bring a, a Ronaldo out of the pen with a .57 whip, I mean that's uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive, especially you know g- considering that you know he pitched three innings the other day. What's know? up, Chris? Good evening to you, sir. Oh, Hello, let's sir. see, Javi Vasquez syndrome. His bummer turned the corner. I mean, he's had some. You, know, I. I don't want to say he's turned the corner, but he's he's had she's shown some signs of his old self, and then he has the clunker. You know, I don't know. He he kind of mixes it up a little bit. It's you know white knuckle ride sometimes. I don't know. Do you like what you see? Thanks for the follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I you know uh, like the thing with bummer. Um, I yeah I can't necessarily say that he's turned the corner. It to me it kind of seems like it's a it's a pretty volatile thing. You know, it's like either he is absolutely lights out or he's awful, you know, and he'll give up four runs. And, yeah, he has been great his last three his last three uh, outings. But, you know, the one before that, he gave up four runs. So, and then, you know, he was fine for, like, two or three before that. But the one before that, he gave up, like, two or three runs. So, you know, it's like, I, yeah, I'd like to say that at least he's uh, – Good seventy five percent of the time. How about that? Which I mean, oh, yeah, that I'll, I'll, that's acceptable. You know, uh, maybe Kendall's right. Maybe he, uh, maybe he stops trying to overthrow all the yeah. time. I don't know. We'll find some more of that command because he has definitely. That's been the biggest thing is yeah. his command. 
when he is hitting spots, he's damn near untouchable. When he's missing spots, he he misses out over the middle of the plate. He gets dinged up. You know, it's the same thing like uh, we were talking about with Dallas Keuchel earlier. You know, when a guy hits the spots, untouchable. Problem is, is he leaves a lot right over the heart of the plate, and when it does, it gets hit a long. Yeah, yeah because like usually way. when he leaves it there, it's not uh, doesn't have the the you know nasty spin on it that it's supposed to. Yeah, his uh, his slider and his his cutters are like those two pitches are just unhittable. You know when he's on, you know like the, his cutters, you know breaking away, you know two feet and his sliders three and a half feet you know it's ridiculous so uh yeah yeah he does yeah he's his uh i haven't looked today it's been a bit but uh i haven't looked at uh bummer splits but yeah he does uh he does tend to walk some of them lefties oh look at that his name was so long that it made the it made the alert disappear so we can't we can't read his name (laughs) What's that? I see. I missed it. I uh, I'm in uh, chat. Uh, at the moment do you like what you see? One 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 one, and so oh. it's 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 too long, so it makes it disappear. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, yeah, great, great to have you. <laughs> I do like what I see. Yeah, Kendall. I don't know if you've. Uh, I assume that you do follow uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Bodie! But. Uh, you know the the Samil Polanco highlights have been plenty. Yes, Bodie, how you doing? Good to see you, man. Reagan. Um, yeah, the Samil Polanco thing, like he's just been, uh, he's kind of exploded in the last month, and um, it's like every time I look up, double, triple, home run. It's he's got, uh, I think he's got like thirteen multi-hit games, and he hasn't been up all season, so. Uh, He's 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 doing it down there. And uh, Harvin Mendoza, who's on the Cannonballers also, um, he's got 16 extra base games um, for the Cannonballers. And, you know, he's a first baseman. He's a he's a thick boy. Um, but that, he can hit. He's hitting like 300 with like a, and, uh, a just a slugging. just a real quick reminder to those of you in the chat. If you're not following White Sox daily on Twitter. You're missing all of this stuff because our very own Mr. Host and uh, runner of our Twitter page here at White Sox Daily, Ian Estridge, is posting video of these guys doing what they're doing on a daily basis. So if you are not watching any MILB games, if you want to catch the highlights, go hit our Twitter page. There's videos up there every day. You're, you can see some you know, Polanco doing some things. You can see, you know, these guys. You want to, you want to see uh, your Mercedes hit moonshots down in AAA. You, you, you don't have your, uh, your Yerminator fix anymore because he's not playing with the MLB club. Go check it out. Ian here is posting lots and lots of video for you guys to see. To answer your question, Bodie, Yerm is doing okay. Uh, I kind of say like he's still hitting home runs. Um, to me, it looks like. Um, I don't know if you were around Bodie, but uh, he retired for about six hours and then uh, reconsidered and then uh, came back the next day. Um, and since coming oh. back, he hit like a home run the next two days. But the thing is, is it to me, you know, apparently from what I understand um, is that 
Yeah, no, yeah, he was he was starting on his way back up. He he, he the thing is the guy can hit and he uh he ran into that uh that inevitable thing that all rookies run into, which is that, you know, the guys make adjustments to you and then you have to make the adjustment back and um it took him a little while to do that and he was finally starting to come out of it and then the issue became that he had uh no real defensive position and they were running out of position players. So basically what they had to do is they had to bring guys up that could play positions and he was the odd man out because he because he can't. He's just not a very good defender at, at his natural position, which is catcher, and he's not very good at first base either. And uh yeah, so I mean to me, I heard that he had asked for his release or a trade and they did not grant it to him. And to me, what it looks like is that he's out there trying to play home run derby because <laughs> you watch him swing and he's trying to hit the ball to the moon. And uh, when you he know, hits... the crazy thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. Go ahead. No. The crazy thing about that is, is wh- where he was finding the success here with the MLB club was when he was not trying to hit the ball to the moon. Uh, he was actually showing some discipline at the plate. He was shortening his swing in a two strike count and he was putting the ball in play. And uh, I don't know if he feels a little uh, betrayed or a little, you know, maybe he's just miffed at the, the, you know, he had his opportunity. He did some pretty amazing things in his first month and a half. And then he slumped. Uh, I don't know. But now he just wants to crush everything he sees. And if he gets away with that, if, if he gets away from that, he might start hitting, you know, the way Bjermin always has hit where he's near 300 batting average near or above 300 batting average for most of his minor league career. And, uh, you know, Tony La Russa, after the whole, you know, you're mean, I'm done. It's over. Uh, Instagram post uh, came out and said that he was going to talk to uh are mean and said that uh, he believes your mean has a, a place in the MLB. So, you know, he's just got to get his stuff together, get out of his own head and whatever he's got going on. God bless him. Cause, uh, you know, let's be honest. It was a fun ride when he was here. Yeah, it was. What he was doing. Yeah. So, uh, Kendall brings up, uh, Yolbert Sanchez and Yolbert. Yeah. Yolbert has been hitting really well in, uh, Birmingham. I'd actually say he's hitting better in Birmingham than, uh, than he was when he was with the dash and why that is, I don't know, but since he moved to, uh, Birmingham, he's actually been, uh, he's raised his average, uh, considerably. I think it's like 50 or 60 points and, um, yeah, it's just 10 games, but you know, the fact that he's actually hitting the ball a lot and he's hitting for some power is surprising because he hasn't done that in the White Sox org yet and at lower levels. So, I mean, it could be that, you know, just all the garbage pitching that he was seeing that he was pressing a little bit too hard and that might've been the issue and that he was pressing too hard. And that's why he was swinging at uh, some of the garbage he was swinging at because the, you know, I was told, I was told that he was a contact hitter. And what I saw was not a contact hitter. (laughs) He, uh, he was, he struck out entirely too much um, and lots of weak ground balls. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, if he can, uh, if he can manage to uh, continue to do that, yeah, I I don't know if that's the reason why they were uh, c- 
confident in trading Madrigal necessarily uh, because Yolbert is not young. Uh, if I remember correctly, Yolbert is, uh, I want to say he's like 25 or 26 at least. And Actually, you know what? He might be even older than that now because uh, I think that when we signed him, he was like 25 or 26, and that was before the uh, the COVIS. So um, I'll have to, I'm going to look that up right now because I am curious about my memory. Um, I didn't think he was that old, but. Yeah, I'm pretty just sure. Me. Pretty sure he's old. Kendall uh, says 24, nice 24. and yeah. 152 days. Yeah. Which so, still not a spring um, chicken, but uh, yeah, no, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's I not mean, like one of got... those 19-year-old signees that we that, you know, that we're used to seeing come, you know, into the league. Right. And and uh, you know, the White Sox did uh draft some some uh infield help over the last uh, couple of seasons. So, yeah, I, you know, outside of Yolbert, maybe they feel confident about somebody else. I don't know. The thing about it is, is we know that Cesar Hernandez has got an option for next year. So you've got a guy who's like, I don't know, he's like a six-time All-Star or something. I mean, he's he's made the All-Star team a few times. Yeah, I know we talked about his, uh, you know, his UZR and, and all that stuff being a little bit higher uh, last year than it has in his career. And uh, some of his uh, defensive peripherals being a bit higher over the last season or so, but uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to know that you've got a guy that who's if you don't find a better option next season, uh, he can be around for one more year. But either way, he's better than what you've got right now. And if you have somebody down there in the minor league system that you're com- confident in, you know. Maybe it makes that move better. But again, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, earlier in the stream, where second basemen are available. They're available every year. They're they're out there. They're you know, they're whether it be a trade or whether it be a free agent signing. It just seems like one of those positions where there's a guy somewhere who can play. And uh, I feel like the White Sox know that, and they'll fill the, the the need if they feel that that needs to be done. Yeah, so uh, to to say to answer that, Kendall, like the just develop thing, like they like nobody project everybody project him to be a slap hitter. So the fact that he's actually hitting for power and the fact that it happened kind of overnight when he went for an advanced day to double A is is the weird thing, you know. It's it's not that you know, it's just that he wasn't uh, you know he wasn't hitting for power in Winston Salem at all. Like he was a singles hitter, and now he goes to Birmingham, and now all of a sudden he's hitting home runs and triples and doubles. So. I mean, I'm not complaining about it at all, but I mean, you know, his scouting report has said nothing except for him being a slap hitter and him being a slap hitter because he's a little guy, you know. He's a he is he is a, how would you say slight, you know. He's not a he's not a big dude, and he's certainly not gonna his frame's not gonna fill out. He's just a little dude, but uh, but you know, he is hitting the ball well, so I'll take it, you know. And that like the. Another thing, like they moved up uh, Laz Rivera to AAA, and I was kind of surprised by that. But uh, you know, I don't know. Seemed like kind <laughs> of like a just kind of seemed like a like it was it just to me it seemed kind of like kind of random, you know that corresponding uh, move. Yeah, it was like it, it just seemed like a move. like a strange promotion. Like if I was going to, uh, you know, promote somebody. You know, like that's like I was surprised that it was him. But then, uh, you know, 
he is he is a little bit older. You know, he's been around since uh, 2017, I think. So he's you know 26, 27. So um, yeah, no, I mean he's not you know he's not small, small, but I mean he's not uh, he's certainly not uh, certainly not a big dude, and he's not Bro, like yeah, uh, he's not Mid- Nick Madrigal small. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, he's not like 5'5 or anything, but, you know, he's just, uh, he's not built like Yoelki Cespedes either, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Engel Engel does have to start playing more over Lairi. I'm not entirely sure. I think there was, uh, I think um, Adam Engel had, uh, was was it a back? It was something, or maybe it was a neck. I can't remember, but he sat for like two days because of an injury the other day, and that's why he wasn't around, and that's why Larry was starting. But even now that he's back, Larry's still playing. But that, I think that's because uh, Aloy is out with the uh, the groin. magical groin. So uh, yeah. Um, real quick, can we go back to Yolbert for just a second? Let's just say he does make his way up to the MLB club in the next year or two. Here, is he? Do do we allow him or does, you know, maybe not even we, because it's not like we have any say in it, but uh, is he allowed to bring with him the uh, self-induced Gatorade bath? Hello? Anybody? Anybody? The, the Yolbert? The, the Yol- yeah. Is he allowed to, is he allowed to steal the other Sanchez self-induced Gatorade bath? Well, I mean, it's like, two letters off so i don't see why not you know i mean yeah why not yol mayor yol bear yolmer yolbert yeah that's uh i told i told my wife i was like oh yeah this is a really good game from uh yolbert sanchez she's like he's back i was like no yolbert not yolmer she's like oh like yeah different guy yeah no relation yeah no relation at all uh, completely different con- countries. Uh, one's from yes. Venezuela, and the other one's from uh, Cuba, right? Yeah, Cuba. Yeah, Cuba. Yeah. So, I just, you uh, know, hey, thanks that's for the following Twitter. The... Hey, hey, hey. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, uh, let me think. Anything else interesting? Oh, yeah, Matthew Thompson. Uh, or uh, yeah, Matthew Thompson came out the other night, pitched really well. Uh, for the Cannonballers. Um, I don't know if you saw the, uh, I clipped some of his stuff, um, from his last start the other day. Looked pretty stinking good. He's had a couple of, couple of good starts, uh, two good starts in a row. Um, is that ACL socks hat? Isn't the ACL socks hat just a regular socks hat? I think. Yeah. Kelly had a nice start yesterday. Um. Put it together a little bit. I wouldn't say it looks good yet, but. Well, uh, I mean. He's had his ups and downs. No, no, yeah, for sure. But his uh the the game yesterday, um he was getting squeezed and uh he's kind of flying out on his fastball. So it was kind of like going high high and out to right-handers and high and out to left-handers depending on which side was hitting. So he needs to uh he needs to work on that uh on his command, but I mean, he he hit 98 uh hit 98 yesterday and his slider looked great. And uh, his changeup looks really nice. I mean, he's he's got some nice pitches, you know. So, and uh, that's wonderful to hear. I mean, especially since last year, you know, he just pitched in Schaumburg for a little bit, you know. So the fact that he just didn't get to play at all is uh, 
it's really nice to see like some development. And you're starting to see that out of those high school guys, you know, uh, between you know like uh, Dahlquist, Thompson, and Kelly. It's nice. Uh, like like I was saying earlier, you know, you just throw that first month and a half out. Of, you know, throw it just throw it out you have because to. it's you have yeah. To. Between all the uh, you know the all the other factors, and then expecting them to just come in right off the bat and just be nails, just not going to happen. So uh, yeah. Hey. Hey, hey! What is up with Norhe Vera? Uh, I believe um, he is DSLing it. Um, I have Good not. Seen... I hadn't thought about him since uh, since the off season when uh, when we bought him. Yeah, I don't think he's playing with them yet. Um, he is signed, um, and I don't believe he's injured. But I don't know what's going on. Um, I haven't heard anything about him in ages uh, other than like just a brief random mention uh from uh James Fox on uh like their what they're going to start doing with their new top 30. So I I yeah, I don't I don't know. So I guess we'll find out um because he's supposed to be nasty. Yeah, Bryce Bush, he's in the ACL, isn't he? Is Bryce Bush in the ACL? I could swear I heard that he was in the ACL. He had like eye surgery or something. Maybe that was last year that he had eye surgery. I don't know. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything about him either. He's kind of one of yeah. He did just he just kind of vaporized. And there's been some guys. Yeah, there's been some guys coming up from the ACL that have been promoted up to uh, Canapolis. Um, like guys that you just never heard of. Um, like like a couple of these guys, like these names. I'm just like, what the heck is that? Ooh. Yeah. And I will say, and uh, this is one thing I wanted to, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Mr. Nick Hostetler because um, he made a couple of uh, pro player personnel pickups in some trades that were just made recently. And uh, Davy Gruan. The uh, backup catcher for the uh, yeah. for the Knights, you know, he had like that first initial like couple of days where it was like, oh, okay, that's cool, you know, like he had a couple of like he had that one, he had like a grand slam or something over the batter's eye, and that was awesome. Um, but he's kind of like uh, he's slowed down since then. But um, the other guy that he picked up um, from the Mississippi Braves, uh, Tyler Nesloni. Uh, he's an outfielder from Texas Tech. Uh, he was hitting like one, like one thirty-eight or something for the for the Mississippi Braves, and uh, obviously as well, you know, like you've seen their their outfield situation. Like their 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 MLB team is stacked, even with uh, you know Acuna being uh, Acuna Matata being out with the uh, ACL. Like they still have all sorts of guys. So Drew Waters and, you know, like there's just they, – they got a bunch of outfielders. So he wasn't going anywhere. So he gets traded to the White Sox, and he has been going mental for like a month straight. You know, he's just always on base, and he started hitting for power as well. And, uh, yeah, he is a little bit older, you know. He's been in the minors for a few years. But um, 
he's hitting really well. And it's it's kind of one of those things that it's nice to see us picking up guys that actually have a skill set. I'm not used to seeing that. You know, I'm used to seeing, uh, you know, like the only guys that we pick up is like, a, you know, guys that are past any usefulness whatsoever to just kind of like fill little cracks and crevices in the uh, the minor league farm, in the uh, minor league system. And, uh, like, we've actually picked up a couple of guys this year that uh, I do some things, play yeah. baseball. Yeah, it's, it's nice yeah. to see. Um, and, you know, like, especially now that uh, Nick's over on the uh, pro side of things, it's, I mean, have you noticed that the guys that we've been picking up, Hamilton, uh, Goodwin, Goodwin. Like these guys that we've been picking up, just like these little guys, these little additions, they're working. Well, you and know, don't... it depends on who you talk to, because you know some of these people think that Brian Goodwin should, you know, he sucks, he's terrible. Uh, I don't think you've been watching. Uh, you know, yeah, he's the whole team has gone through slumps. So the minute Brian Goodwin doesn't, you know, hit for three games in a row, they're like, he's terrible. Send him away. Um, let's just remember that guys like him and, you know, you mentioned Billy Hamilton, who's, you know, shelved again for like the third time this season. But, uh, you know, uh, those guys have actually carried some of these teams. So you, the White Sox have more hits and more runs scored out of the nine hole by a lot than any other team in baseball. And that's where a lot of these guys are slotting into the lineup. You know, the Sebi Zavala's and the, the, the B Goodwins and the, you know, all these guys, even Leary, you know, I, again, yeah, he's I'm, not not, acquisition, I'm not going to, I'm just, you know, I, no, I know, but right. Uh, you know, just those guys that are filling in cracks and holes. It's nice to see them do some things, but yeah. Jake lamb. Yeah. I, you know, what, the, the Jake lamb thing though. I'm going to say that that's a hundred percent of Tony LaRusso thing. Well, yeah. I mean, they have a little bit of a history together, so that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, the, the article with LaRusa saying that uh, he's the kind of guy you build a franchise around. That kind of thing seems like a, yeah, uh, yes, Hamilton is on the 10-day DL. Just got put there uh, retroactive to Sunday, I believe, or Saturday, one or the other. So he'll be back in like a week-ish, week and a half. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but. Uh, I don't even you know, know that I, he was hurt, to be honest with you. Yeah, he, I didn't either until I saw perfect. the announcement. I don't think he is. I think that was just a, a we we need to shuffle some bodies around to uh, give a start to uh, Jimmy Lambert, and uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But you know, he's been he's been shelved. I think this is the third time this year that he's been on the on the ten uh, day IL, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, I don't know. Yeah, he's on the uh, he's on the IL with the old patchy beard. Notice that he's getting some some patches, you know. Got the got the spider spiders on the face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I you know we we yeah we were talking about that Kendall about the uh, the Robert thing. I from what I under you know from what Tony Larusa said is that he didn't expect Robert to be here on Tuesday, starting the next series. So I'm just gonna take it at that that he's not here for the for the first you know, for the series this, uh, against Casey and then maybe he no, comes but he back, might but for the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. Cause why not? Yeah. It's the Cubs. Yeah. I've seen him running and, uh, 
he looks, you know, I mean, he doesn't, uh, I will say this, the acceleration doesn't seem to 100% be there, but uh, he, he's still fast, you know, and I've seen him steal a couple of bases, and or steal, steal one base, and uh, he looked okay, you know, so, I mean, he's back soon, I just don't know if it'll be for this series or not, and I don't, I don't know if Hamilton was uh, sent down because of that. Um, going back to that uh, Sebi Zavala thing. Um, so I think Sebi Zavala's caught like six of the last eight games. Shocking. So, uh, I don't necessarily. Well, his defensive skill set is always going to be better than Zach Collins, no matter what. Like there's like there's no shot that Zach Collins is going to eclipse his defensive. You know the uh, his defensive liabilities compared to Zavala. There's just no way that he's going to ever be a better catcher than Sebi Zavala. But um, Kendall is going where I'm going. Do you think Collins is gone when Grandal comes back and Sebi stays, or do they keep Collins because they don't need a defensive catcher necessarily that they'll want the left-handed bat? I think that's the way, uh, personally, I mean, if that's the question you're asking, I'm going to have to go with the uh, the ladder there just because Zach Collins has got the left-handed bat in the lineup. And, you know, we've talked about it earlier in the stream that uh, Sebi's got a lot of swing and miss in his game, and his, he, he just his, his bat-to-ball. <laughs> well, so uh, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this is true. Yeah. But I think his bat-to-ball skills better are a little bit better yeah. Than, yeah. than Sebi. So. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Uh, it is nice to see a, a defensive catcher behind the plate, though. It is, yeah. And, you know, like the thing is, is that, you know, I, I brought this up, you know, uh, I think it was on a P. Knowles tweet, you know. He was talking about – Oh, uh, Lord, I blocked that guy a long time ago. Yeah, well, you know, he's Ooh. got uh, he's got some stats, you know. So, um, I, you know, like the thing is, is that I don't – you know, you don't take any of the stuff serious, and you're fine. You just look for certain things, you know. Um, but like uh, you know, he he mentioned uh, you know not having seen Grandal or uh, yeah seeing uh, Zavala a lot, and uh, you know he says I am just going to assume that he's good uh, defensively because that's what everybody says. And the thing is, I've watched him since uh, Winston Salem, and he's a much better defender than Collins is. However, he's not without fault. He still has his issues as well. There's still pass balls, and uh, his arm and pop time are not, you know, not as good as, uh, you know, uh, not as good as Collins, I don't think. I'd have to, you know, like that's one of those things where I'd have to see the measurables. I don't know for sure, but I think Collins is just a hair faster than him. Uh, with the throws, and neither one of them are close to Mercedes because Mercedes can throw the crap out of it. He, the dude's got a cannon. But, um, you know, there's none of these guys, none of, look, you've got three AAA catchers right now, and that's not including, uh, that's not including Nate Nolan, uh, Davey Grulan, and the other guy that they've got at AAA catching. I mean, you've got all these AAA catchers just trying to find one 
that's going to be acceptable for the role that you need. And I don't know who that's going to be, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird Kendall. situation, you know. Yeah, go ahead. It is. It is. I was just going to say Kendall bringing up a, a name that I prefer not to talk about here. We, yeah, we don't no, talk don't... about Ken W.O. around here. See, now he's going to search. The, like, there's going to be, like, some speech to text. Oh. Thing. He's going to put it on the Googles, and now he's going to find it. Oh, let him um, find it. Yeah, no, I don't. Find talk. it. His, uh, his Brad Pack of followers will come and tear us up and whatever I they can say. I don't have him blocked. Um, but for whatever reason, like, uh, I don't see him a whole lot. Um, the, I the see him in other people's the, tweets, which is weird. That, Cause I, I don't think I thing. have him blocked yeah. either, but I see him in other people's, uh, comment sections and threads and whatnot. And, yeah, you know, I my big thing with him was, was yeah, he's, he, he's, he's got some meaty, uh, really hot, hot takes, but, uh, you know, there was a uh, a racial thing that happened. Yeah, there was a while some back. nasty there homophobic stuff. thing. There was some nasty. Yeah, and uh, you know, he he apologized after the fact because I think he lost like half of his followers. Which you know, that's that's where you really you know kick a guy in the groin that like him because you know he's all about the the likes and the tweets and the comments. Yeah, he and really whatnot. is. But, you know, we'll just leave it at that. I don't. I'm not going to say anything bad about the guy, but uh, you know, I, it's just not my uh, cup of tea. Yeah, Not no, really. mine either. And like I said, like the only time, I, like generally, the only time I really see his his actual tweets is when somebody subtweets him, making fun of him. That's the only time I see his tweets. Yeah, like I, yeah, pretty much everything too. He never comes across my timeline, and I'm sure probably I'm sure it's probably because the algorithm's like, well, he never talks to the guy, so why does he want to see his tweets? That's the only thing I can figure. I've had zero interaction with him, so uh, yeah, so that's that. Yeah, yeah um, that's it. Anybody else got anything in the chat? Um, I'm, I think I'm, uh, I'm good. So, yeah, it's eleven. Yeah, I think we, think we pretty covered much covered everything since uh, last Monday we were on. Uh, it's unfortunate. I will apologize for uh, White Sox Daily not being on Friday evening after the trade deadline. I was unavailable. Uh, you know, we would have liked to have got on and and gotten some of this. Uh, deadline talk out of the way but uh that was my fault i was uh previously engaged so uh Still hopefully next time forgot well yeah well it's getting late yeah no it's getting you know, that time uh we've got i got the job and the am i'm sure uh you all have places to go and people to see and babies and whatnot to feed and well, not you. <laughs> no, not me. I've got. I'm sure uh, your uh, sure your ten year old is, uh, or is he like uh, 10, 11. eleven now? Yeah, he's, he's going now, to bed right? right now. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I got a French bulldog that you know she needs uh, <laughs> some nutter butter bits to eat. There, you, um, there you go. I'll hook her up with that. Um. But yeah, three I think of them passed off around me here, and I'm not being licked ferociously by one of my dogs. He was licking me. Yeah, yeah so you a... know what? Here's one thing that I do need to bring up. Um, so we have uh, emote slots for subscribers now. And I do not have... Uh, I haven't made any yet. 
and I'm trying to figure out what what I could do now. I know, I know, Bozy is. Uh, yeah, he wants that. Uh, he he wants a the Derek Holland uh, cowboy hat finger guns, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if it was in a White Sox jersey, I'd totally do it. But he didn't. He didn't. Uh, yeah, no, that was down there in uh, Texas. Yeah. No. Yeah, so I got to figure we got to figure out something to do. So if anybody's got any suggestions, if you come up with anything. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's kind of one of those things. He's a little old for double A. Yeah. Um uh, Yeah, I mean, nobody's no, nobody say potato screen. Don't do it. For yeah. some of our Long-time followers, no, no potato screen. Trying to think, like I, you know, like I had thought it about. Came up uh, once last week, and I was like, no, 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 no. One of the things that would be fun is like eventually when we get more emotes, when we get more emote slots unlocked, is to uh, do all the affiliates as emotes, like their uh, their logos. That'd be fun. But uh, yeah, no, I got to figure something out, like uh, whether it be like a ribby and rhubarb or whatever. I don't know. Figure something out. Yeah, well, let's we'll leave that up to the chat. Let's uh, let's give the guys some homework. You guys come back and see us next Monday with some uh, some ideas right here. Same White Sox time, same White Sox channel here on Twitch TV, nine p.m. Monday evening. Yeah, and, uh, uh, give us your best ideas, and we'll uh, we'll mull it over. Yeah, so at Daily White Sox on Twitter and uh, WhiteSoxDaily.com. Um, for subscription there's some good articles in there um patrick's been pumping out some good articles and i know that xavier and uh, a couple of the other guys have thrown some stuff up uh, logan's thrown some stuff up there and uh, xavier um xavier yeah. soloing it on his podcasts uh yeah we had a you know we had one of our members had to uh take care of some uh some uh things going on with the family so uh xavier is uh out there doing it on his own. So give him some love, yeah, show him some bummer. love on his podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, so, you know, uh, it puts, he puts together some good content, man. He does. He comes up with a lot of, uh, a lot of nice stats and, uh, little tidbits on something. The, uh, the Andrew Vaughn Absolutely. stuff is, uh, is nice to see. Um, if you're not following him on Twitter, uh, follow him. I think it's at Xavier Sanchez. Is it 24? I can't remember. Off the I top believe of it head. is 24. Yeah. So uh yeah, if you got uh if you see him, he's on he's tagged on all the uh the at Daily White Sox uh stuff. What is what's called? What's it called? What's what called? Oh, it's um, just I it's it's just the White Sox Daily Podcast, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it should be uh yeah, I think he was like he's changing the name of it, I think he said to uh Power Pod or something something along those lines. I can't uh I can't know, but I think it all comes up under the uh, White Sox Daily stuff. So yeah, if you subscribe um, to White Sox Daily, you'll see it. It's up there. It's available on all your uh, pod listening de- uh, accounts, apps, devices, whatever you want to say. Uh, wherever you can find a podcast, you can go ahead and subscribe to White Sox Daily. We're there. Yeah, we. Give it this a will. Uh, this one will end up. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to uh, go back and listen to the beginning, if they came in late, or if, you know. They want to uh, keep her seats on stupid things that I say. You can do that too. Um, Hold us accountable. Talk cool. Do it. Yeah, 
I, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I you know like I'm generally not that hot take kind of guy, so uh, I don't say too many stupid okay. things. Other than Nick Magical's not getting traded. I do. Um, I, you know, I I can I guilty. Uh, you know, I can admit it, but yeah, hold me accountable. We like pats on the back. We like being called out. Just yeah, hit us up. Let us know. All right. Well, I think that's it for the night. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to come hang out in the stream and chat. And uh, for all you uh, listening on the uh, pod, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, everybody have a great night for myself, Ian Eskridge, and for my partner slash co-host, Danny Miller. Thanks for coming in. Have a good night. Thank you.